0: You're listening to... Whoa! Hot luck! Hot luck!
1: And what is poppin', everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club. It is episode one, two, three, Our first episode for Spooky Month 2022. My name is Mario Renew and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have formerly self-proclaimed professional Asian-American... Just you?
0: Yes, I'm. I guess I'm just like Asian now. Yes, like just without getting paid for Asian. it. Just plain. Oh, we can okay, call, that's fine. We can
2: we can call her a perpetual Asian American. How about that? <laughs>
0: Retired Asian American. <laughs> maybe maybe that's um, maybe that's the the term. Or are Asian American emeritus?
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Emeritus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: emeritus. Yes.
1: <laughs> also joining us. The most professional of spooky culture editors, Han Win. Ooh, hi!
0: <laughs> oh no, Han, you scared me. <laughs> it's okay. It's just me. Oh no!
1: Welcome to the season of changing our. Tw- Actually, I have not changed my Twitter handle yet.
2: I changed it over the weekend.
1: Did you go with your oh, classic, or yes, you know, you I went
2: my I went with my usual one because honestly, like, my, there's not a hell of a lot to do with my name. <laughs> um, I saw someone else with my last name when they did a. Uh, something like hollow win or something like that. And I was like, mm. I don't like that. It's not that good.
0: So. <laughs> um, I, my punning, my name can also quickly turn into an accidental slur. Yeah. So I try, you know, it's kind of a fine line for me sometimes. Yes. Yeah, exactly.
2: So there were definitely things around like that's just reaching. So finally, so I'm sticking with mine, and I also like the movie. Uh, it's based on. So just in case someone hasn't caught it before, it is let the right Han in instead of like <laughs> let the right one in.
1: I have not and seen either the original or the American remake. Which one just is better?
2: Just watch the original. Don't bother with American Remake. Um, however, I will say that Showtime is doing a series, and it starts next week. So I've seen the first episode. Oh. I like it. I will probably discuss it in more detail once I see more screeners.
1: Well, in honor of Spooky Month, we're checking out a classic, or should I say a revival of a classic, Hocus Pocus 2, the sequel to the 1993 family, I guess, Children's Halloween movie that just dropped on disney plus just in time for spooky month um but before we get to that let's find out what pop culture is us through this week uh, let's start with han what's popping
2: uh so i don't know if i had talked about this in depth before but i've been really enjoying and catching up with the lord of the rings prequel series uh, the rings of power that's on amazon uh for those of you who don't know, it's kind of roughly based on um J.R. Tolkien's extra writings, like the Cimmerillion and stuff like that. Probably the Lord of the Rings stuff you didn't read, unless you were a diehard. And which is totally fine because it, it brings up a lot of lore and it's kind of more historical documents and you know, things like that. And so they have between all of these writings kind of stitched together an actual narrative. Um and so and this is also the most expensive TV show made ever. Um and you can see it. It is on the screen, which is good because if it wasn't, I would be like, wow, that was a waste of money, Amazon. Um, so it looks fantastic. It was shot in New Zealand. There are definitely uh people of color. Um there are a few familiar names, such as Galadriel, because she is an elf and still alive. So she's this is young Galadriel. Um we also see Elrond, her pal, um who uh, I think, let's see, it's played by... Anyway, we'll, we'll forget about that. But anyway, um, so so far I'm really, really enjoying it. And I think, I don't want to say in contrast to House of the Dragon, definitely it's way better than House of the Dragon because House of the Dragon is all about depressing things. No one is good on that show. You don't like anyone. <laughs> Everyone's horrible. Everything's awful. There's incest and, and backstabbing and kids kicking you know. Sh- shanking each other in the eye.
0: You're you're only you're only selling this to me, hon. Huh? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's it's pretty rough, but the nice thing about uh Rings of Power is that it really leans into the high fantasy of it all because one of the the other gripes I have about House of the Dragon is you got dragons, you got other things and they pretty much don't focus on the fantasy stuff. They only focus on the backstabbing court politics. And why not just do a historical drama if that's what you're going to do? So here in uh, Lord of the Rings, you get all of these fantastical peoples and and you get the maps. Maps are very important for fantasy. Um, and it also plays into the idea of um, the elves are very tied to the land and so there's a big environmental message even though it's not you know hitting you over the head with it um there's actual nobility there's people with integrity you have hope even though orcs are like uh descending upon your village and you have no hope you still you know stick to your guns so there's a lot going for it when i think about like what i'm willing to tune into on a weekly basis is the fact that it actually makes me feel good about people like maybe you know not everything is lost um So, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Some plots are better than the others. Some actors are better than the others. But at least that means I like some characters. Who knew that you could do that in a fantasy series about power? Um, (laughs) I could probably go way more into it. But, yeah, maybe we can wait until, I don't know, if, like, Marvin, you watch it and we can talk about it at some point.
1: I mean, I probably will check it out (laughs) at some point. I'm not, like, a super fan of the Middle-earth token verse stories um i've never read the books like i watched the films um and like it's not something that i'm precious about Um, you don't
2: need to be that's the thing you don't need to know anything about it uh to watch because i never read those other books you know yeah that these are based on
1: i feel like right now like right now i'm really into andor because that's giving me all like the space politics stories that I crave. And I find it funny that you said it's like a hopeful show because isn't isn't much like the prequel trilogy of Star Wars it about like the collapse of society. Like eventually?
2: Yeah, but <laughs> it's also I think maybe like Andor, it still has hopeful elements of it. Like there's people that you're gunning for and um and maybe it shows that not everything died, you know? So <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I know that there is that concept of, like, why have a prequel for something that you know is going to, like, be destroyed. It's called dramatic irony, baby.
0: I mean, there, <laughs> on, is, Marvin.
2: That, there is that, but also, yeah, it's kind of like same with, uh, let's see, what's it called? The Dark Crystal, you know, um, the prequel series actually was pretty good and hopeful still.
1: Yeah, and I get that. I'm just saying, you know, all this will eventually come crashing down, right? <laughs> like, this is going to stay positive forever.
2: Or, or, or this maybe, is a story about
1: how all these good people get corrupted.
2: Yeah, or maybe it's like our society right now. We are in the prequel of whatever is going to happen next, which is pretty <laughs> depressing. But like, there's still things to
1: hopefully. Because all like, these fools before. with these rings eventually become ring right?
2: So far, we haven't seen a ton of rings. That's the other good thing. Like, I don't. I'm, I'll be happy if we don't see any rings. I mean, we see see something that might be rings, but I mean, like right now,
1: the yeah. series is called Rings of Power.
2: I know, but, but that's why I'm, I, I will be happy not to see rings for a while. Um, what I like is we see horses. I like seeing all these animals. Uh, definitely, definitely, you know, I, lo- I like being, like probably my favorite place to be is underground with the dwarves. Um, they're pretty fun. So, yeah, I like their sense of space and environment. Um, you really feel the world. And I think that's actually really important for uh, a Lord of the Rings to g- kind of get the sense of scope out there. Whereas yeah. right yeah, right now with House of the Dragon I'm feeling a little bit um claustrophobic.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean Lord of the Rings that the Tolkien series has always been about quests and grand adventure, which it seems like it's invoking those vibes. So that's good.
2: Yeah. You're giving yeah, the people
1: I'm, what they want. Cuz the people yeah, who like House it. of the Dragon are really like love that like grim dark politics shit, right?
2: Yeah, and it's not even that smart politics. It's just like, <laughs> ugh. Anyway, this is not a trash House of the Dragon show. So
0: um, <laughs> that is for me. Uh, what's popping for you, Jess? I have been watching a little less TV because I've been doing, you know, busy scuttling around the house. Um, but I've been listening to a lot of new music. And one of those albums I'm absolutely in love with is Rina Sawayama's second studio album, Hold the Girl. Um, I don't know if she's like quite blown up in the American mainstream. She's had a few great features. Uh, She is an incredibly hot, and I mean that in every sense of the word, very talented British Japanese pop artist, a pop girly, I will say. And, you know, I love my pop girlies and she makes musics for the days gays, you know, the, the she's days and gays, mm-hmm. uh, which is my favorite genre. Uh, she herself is queer and just everything. Um, everything's great. Like the visuals are stunning and weird. Like I like it when like hot pop girlies get weird, you know, like I think her, the cover is like she's in like literally a ball, like a rubber ball dress, mm. like with her, like head covered and just her face showing. Um, She's really funny in the interviews, and her hit single from this is called This Hell, which is like, This Hell is Better You, like, we're all going to hell, and it's gonna be a good time. Uh, really great. And then, you know, I feel like a big category or a big characterization of like queer pop music is also a lot of yearning. So you know you got the yearning hits on there too, Um, and I've been really enjoying it. She was featured also on the Charlie XCX album. Um, She's in, in the in in one of the 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 hit the first single she released from Crash, Uh, and I just fucking love her. Marvin, Marvin, do you know who Rina Sawayama is?
1: I don't, but I'm gonna be um, adding her to my playlist. Um, I don't really listen to a lot of um, popular music. Because I don't drive anymore, I don't listen to radio. And when I do drive, I listen to podcasts. So, um, thank you for the recommendation. I'm always looking to see what the what what the kids are listening to. And uh, Jess, you're the youngest person I know. So,
0: yeah, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I got
2: kind of gotta agree there. I need to take recommendations from you. And um, <laughs> so, would you say I need to start listening for to her first album?
0: No, you could jump okay. right into this one, okay. uh, Marvin. what would it change you guys? Would it would extra? incentive for y'all if I told you she was going to be in John Wick 4?
2: <gasps> yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, she's
0: very cool. I just need
2: new music in general, and I liked everything you said about, like, because I don't uh, I don't default to pop, but I'm open to pop as long as there's other things going on, so um, all the extra stuff that you were talking about, yearning and, and queer-friendly, <laughs> and all that other stuff makes uh, her more interesting to me. So,
1: and, you know, yeah. as another recovering professional Asian-American <laughs> oh. um, um, the fact that it's an Asian-American artist it's like okay I'll check it out
0: yeah, yeah and isn't By it great instinct. when they're just good yeah <laughs> like you would listen to them even if they weren't Asian um, like she's just great um, and again the the Charlie XCX mash I'm gonna look up what song this is hold on cause oh, cut this out <laughs> oh so she's also featured on the on the song beg for you with charlie xcx and that is just mm. some like very gay woman british asian british like power couple right there um really really appreciate that uh because remember charlie xcx i feel like everyone forgets is asian as well Yeah, and um it's 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 good love it love it when they're just good
1: (laughs) it makes her job a lot easier
0: right (laughs) (laughs) so listen to it put on spotify um you know look at that little album visuals it's really fun she's she's just so like i was i was going on a rant like earlier like i hate it when hot people are boring (laughs) like you're you're hot like do something weird um you know, or like, if you're hot and rich, right? Like, but isn't there hot, just duty? cover for being boring? Well, I feel like back in the back in the day, I feel like back in the day, if you were hot and rich, you like would do really crazy shit, like get, gallivant with like Andy Warhol and like murder your husband. Like, where is that energy? <laughs> like, you can get away with anything. So why is like the worst thing you're doing right now is like marrying Justin Bieber? like, cheat on him with somebody unexpected and, like, cause, like, some scandal. Like, I think that's your duty as a hot, rich, privileged person. Give yeah. me something to talk about. I gotta, I gotta fucking worry about human thumb try guy Like, that's the best scandal we have right now. <laughs> well, we
1: also got Tom Brady and Giselle Bündchen.
0: Oh, yeah, but that's, like, sports, and I don't care. So, <laughs> like, come on. Give me something scandalous. Like, that. that's not scandalous. That's, like... He won't retire. She's tired of living in Florida. Girl, I get it. It's boring. It's boring. Like, there's no scandal. It's just like, oh, it's not working out. Okay, whatever. Give me something to sink my teeth into so I can blast the Serena Sawayama album and, like, <laughs> appreciate it in its wholeness. But, yes, definitely listen to it. And the next time we all hang out, I'll just, like, hold you guys hostage, shake away your phones, and, like, make you listen to, like, young people stuff. Young in quotation marks. I'll just be constantly uh, using my.
2: Uh, <laughs> Han and
1: I will be taking Spot- notes <laughs> and using Shazam to like, oh, hey, okay, what's this yeah. song? Yeah, I do that co- Spotify list.
2: I do that constantly, and then I'm always like, oh, I already Shazamed this before. <laughs> I should, I should start gex? a Spotify
1: playlist called Young People Music.
2: <laughs> is that with a dollar
0: sign or a regular X? No, no it's it's the youngs the Gs. oh hon that's like a generation ago now i know i know but it's still not, oh, oh but no but i'm also saying because it's asian <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> all anyway. right marvin what's popping with you
1: all right speaking of british asians we need to talk about the great british bake-off um we took a week off last week because i hadn't watched it i am now caught up um sabira is my favorite she mm-hmm. is just the most ballsy contestant we've ever seen in that tent just mixing all the asian flavors unapologetically and forcing paul hollywood to expand his horizons his cultural horizons and doing pretty well I got to say.
2: Yeah, I think the point is that she's also doing it well. It's not just like, hey, I'm going to add this matcha or I'm going to just randomly add. Like, she's not
0: like, embarrassing.
2: I'm going to make
1: this tofu macaron.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, t- uh, tofu satay <laughs> macaron. Um, and, and and then win you over. It's kind of like, I, I almost felt like he was like reluctantly like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> you
0: know? It's like, all right, all right, I got to give it to you. Yeah, yeah. Paul you racist piece of shit
1: <laughs> huh. but we need to talk about smorgas tarta <laughs> which was the showstopper challenge for this last episode um, last friday which um, is i guess a it's a danish thing swedish thing
2: swedish swedish because um, Maxi is familiar with it right. and she's from sweden
1: and it's basically so this is bread week and yes. smorgas tarta is a cake
0: Yes, but made
1: of sandwiches.
0: It's like a sandwich, a multi-tier sandwich in the form of a cake, and I too find it horrifying. <laughs> this is not an optimal way to eat a sandwich. <laughs> Bahad, you feel <laughs> <Right>. differently. <laughs> so
1: when my fiance and I, and I watched it, we spent the whole entire whole entire challenge just being disgusted. And you know <laughs> we're pretty open to food, but we were just like, that's just. It just it looks like it's slathered with like mayonnaise or sauce. And it's,
0: it's also like they weren't like fridging it or anything. And some of them were like using seafood. And I'm like, you're just going to put like a warm shrimp paste in the middle of this cake. I'm like, I'm I'm kind of <laughs> disturbed right now.
1: And, you know, if someone puts it in front of me, I will try it. But I'm just saying <laughs> aesthetically, it was not pleasing to watch these people create these sandwich cakes and so I texted our group chat saying that I've been traumatized by Tartas. Jess responds that she has not watched it yet. 20 minutes later, she responds with WTF.
0: Yeah, it's it's also like isn't the one of the better parts of a sandwich like the textural crunch of toasted bread which was not happening in the Smorgashtarta? <laughs> uh, it's just like oh, mm, I just can't but
1: but then the great betrayal came when han responds (laughs) i would eat that it looks pretty good (laughs) it's not just i would eat that i love the idea (laughs) so this is an intervention right now we're having for han
0: han
2: are you okay (laughs) i mean here's the thing this is in some ways some things you know about me like i'm not really high on sweets like the it took me Years to watch Great British Bake Off because I was like, oh, it's going to be all about like sweet pastries, and finally, when I started watching, it, I'm like, yes, a lot of them are, but actually, a you know, they have a bread week usually, and then they often have like very savory you know, competitions or at least some people try doing savory versions of things. But also European stuff is not all one note. So even if it comes to certain sweets, like it'll have a twist. So I'm like, okay, there's some craft there. But so with this, I was just like, oh, my God, I love the idea of someone thinking this is a cake and it being just a really big what they call a sandwich loaf, which also probably doesn't have the best name. Um, But I guess the way I thought of it was similar to how people do finger sandwiches for tea because a lot of them are filled with similar things so like with um like a shrimp uh s- salad or chicken salad um like what's it uh your what's his name yours Janusz? Janusz. Yeah, Janusz did an interesting one which was like fish and chips with mushy peas and I was like I would definitely try that. And apparently it turned out pretty well. Um and then of course Shabira's was amazing.
0: Yeah, uh, yes, I have no problem with these <laughs> things in the sandwich, but if you're to- it's a cake sandwich. I mean, it's not made with cake. It's but- basically but it's layers of like, bro, yeah. It seems like such an inefficient way to eat a sandwich. I'm just, I'm just, yeah.
2: <laughs> Although
1: if I was to make a Tarta, I would, would make a katsu sando. Oh, tarta. that sounds
2: yeah, that sounds really good. See, uh, and With if you were on the in the middle, see there you go. So yeah, I would I would eat that. I just <laughs> feel like all of it is very similar to other sandwiches. But yeah, I think I do, I guess I just really did think of it as like tea sandwiches, but like times twenty. Um, I also yeah, love it's how the you're like twenty
0: part that kind of yeah, bothers me. Yeah,
2: I think it's
1: when I, you stare at like the cake and the entire frosting layer is and, just and when, like, they, try to, the when they try to when they try to cut
0: through the layers and It just becomes this like mash of like barbecue sauce or like mushy well, peas. Well,
2: well, Sandro should not have put barbecue sauce in the middle of that, but the mushy peas look great. Like. Yanush did a really good job. It added, like, a, a pop of green. <laughs> and, I don't know. I still stand by it. Uh, I would like how, someone to again, make it for how me. How pissed
0: would you be? We'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'd have some cake. Oh, wait, it's mashed potatoes? <laughs> if
1: it was well, a surprise, it, I would be pissed. But if I knew it ahead of time,
2: I, I'd know, still
1: be apprehensive but not as pissed I do love that Han said that this is because she hates she doesn't like sweets this is a cake that she would actually eat which this would be fun I kind of understand I get that Uh,
2: you know I also would laugh my ass off if uh, I was at a party where people expected cake and someone served this (laughs) Um, uh, I I also like illusion food you know when something looks like something else so maybe that's also part of it but uh, yeah I would try it but I also do agree that it probably could be done horribly and it would probably be a soggy mess in the wrong hands so I will only take it just
1: feels like it's a disaster
2: (laughs) I will only take experts who will make this for me (laughs) yeah
0: I
1: want to try I just want to meet the guy who decided I want a cake but I want to make a sandwich
0: Apparently. They do some wild shit. I mean, that's Sweden. They love their like paste. Like for breakfast, you basically eat bread with like and you squeeze a bunch of like paste out of tubes. Very into tubes. <laughs> um, and have you heard of the British Chip Sant Buddy? Yeah, yes. I've definitely heard of the Buddy. Um, it's literally just French fries, Marvin, but like their version of French fries. So they're very thick, like potato wedges in a white bread roll. Mmm. I mean a buddy is so also kind of like, like a Pittsburgh a word for style them. sandwich yeah.
1: or like literally just a fry sandwich.
0: No, it's
2: just a fry
1: sandwich. Oh. Huh.
2: I yeah. mean you can have other things in buddies too. So <laughs> anyway, um,
1: I do want to call out one thing that I noticed this past episode cuz we always applaud GBBO for being like a pleasant experience. All the contestants are helping each other out. But this episode had a moment of utter betrayal when Mr. Scottish man did not inform his fellow Asians what feathering was for their technical challenge.
0: <laughs> was that this did, episode? Did, did that was that? the last episode. That, that was, was the last la- episode. Oh. This is the episode where the Scottish man was like, "I can make a creme pat in my sleep." And he's like, "Oh no, my creme pat is not <laughs> setting up." I was like, "Great editing, and <laughs> fantastic." That, and was that twice that
2: he or some someone I know? messed something up twice anyway yeah my my uh episodes are blurring together in my head if you do want to call back to the last episode i do agree the whole
0: feathering thing was just like
1: oh, i was like you i felt bad
0: <laughs> Yeah, they should not have like marked it that low for like a decorative element. Like that's just fucking lame. And their feathers were beautiful. Like what <laughs> the fuck is feathering? I don't even know what that means. Yeah,
2: that is definitely an actual uh baking decorative term. So, I think as long as they made an attempt, you know, that was fine because also I noticed like I can't even remember what like what it was something they had to dip and everyone dipped it on the wrong side, but no one got dinged for it. So I think as long as it is a an understandable interpretation and it doesn't affect the taste, then I think it's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, speaking of interpretation, I'm sure we'll be back next week to talk about this upcoming episode of oh, GBBO. because Mexican Week. It's Mexican <laughs>
0: I, yeah. week. Oh, no. It's going to be so bad. Like, should we just, like, play a game right now of, like, how over under... How many offensive comments is Matt Lucas gonna make? He's
2: gonna make the most and the s- most dumb how, ones. But how I,
1: many but, in the cold open alone?
2: Uh, I oh, mean,
0: God, they do those stupid. cold Yeah, opens they're gonna do now. bad puns,
2: and then. Um, <sighs> but I also think that maybe Paul Hollywood will say something if something is spicy. Um, and I yes, yes, because, because no Paul one, Hollywood no is the authority
0: tent. on Mexican food. Yeah.
2: None and of I those th-
1: judges can eat spicy. So how can you have, well, I mean, Mexican sweets, you know, flan, um, pan dulce, Um, dulce de leche.
2: Sweets should be fine. But I also wonder, are are they also going to mix up
0: Mexican things with some other Latino? 100%. (laughs) 100%. Or Spanish thing, maybe? Oh, a thousand percent. (laughs) That's exactly what's going to happen. Let me tell you, my time in England, the best Mexican food I could get was Chipotle. And there was one in London. I would go specifically to into London, like Central London, to get some Chipotle to hit that itch.
1: I mean, this is the country where the chain Takaria is suing an actual Takaria for using the word Takaria.
2: Yeah, they can't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you colonize the world. You colonize the world, and that's the you food you get. <laughs> and you don't know how to use spices. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They only know how to use spices when they colonize the people and they, they, they make it for them. So they're Indian food. <laughs> so anyway.
1: I mean, they colonize the world for spices.
0: Yes. The spice.
3: <laughs> <doing my>
1: <sighs> anyway. Anyways, excited to revisit Mexican Week with y'all <laughs> next week. Uh, but until then, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're talking about Hocus Pocus 2. Stick around. Hello, I'm Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, directors, stunt people, background extras, you know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at alltheasiansonstartrek.com, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper.
0: Mm, but we're still here, and we're going strong.
1: It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese-Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, FOBA, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. This week we're talking about Hocus Pocus 2, the sequel to the 1993 classic film Hocus Pocus, starring Bette Midler, um, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimi and some children. Thorbush.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and some children.
1: Um, this new version brings back Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy Najimy, and also adds a shit ton of new characters, <laughs> including Tony Hale, um, Sam Richardson, uh, Doug Jones, and you know some. I'm gonna say probably Disney actors. I don't know. Who yeah, these um, are.
2: well, Wh- Whitney Peak, the lead main. Teenager is known from Gossip Girl and a bunch of other stuff. Okay, so I quite like her, you know. But also, it was kind of clear when I as soon as I saw her, I was like, "Oh, something special with you." So, <laughs>
1: um, Melissa Escobedo and Hannah Waddington round out the cast. Um, Hocus Pocus Two takes place twenty nine years after the original film, both in the film universe and also in real life, where Whitney Peak's character Becca accidentally lights a black candle and resummons the three witches from. The original Hocus Pocus. Um, um, I don't know about you guys, but I remember watching the original film a lot as a kid. I don't know why. I think one of my parents, probably my mom was big, a big fan of Bette Midler. And I remember the original Hocus Pocus was probably the first time I was ever conscious of Bette Midler as an actress. <laughs> it was from this film. Um, but I really did not remember a lot of it. I had to actually rewatch the first film before watching the second film, just to like catch up, thinking maybe I need to, you know, you need to watch the first one to understand what's going on. You, you totally don't. The second film kind of stands on its own. I was surprised how little I remember of that film. All I really remember is like the talking cat and the last scene where like they get vanquished. Um,
0: oh, Hocus Pocus was very formative to my upbringing because they played it a lot on Disney Channel. Um, I think that's like very, I did not know it at the time, but I think that was like very intro, early introduction to like gay culture. Um, with, you know, S- uh, Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica partner, Kathy and Jimmy as the witches, which they kind of tongue-in-cheek play- poke at that in the second one. Um, and I love this movie. I had a thing for, you know, the dude who was a cat. Yeah, very, very nurturing older brother. Not as a cat, huh? Not as the cat. No, no. no. When he comes back. There's like a (laughs) genre of like 90s movies where like there were like sexy ghosts like Mm -hmm. Casper. Yeah. And this definitely falls into it. Very formative for my young um, heart.
1: He definitely had that floppy Um, hair from the era. Yeah, the
0: floppy like Devin Sawa, like 90s heartthrob hair. Oh, bring that back. (laughs) And
1: I did make a note that within the first five minutes of this film, they tear up his clothes pretty like... Pretty yeah. sexy, right?
3: <laughs>
2: and, and and it makes sense that that is that sort of like borderline queer uh, genre because Kenny Ortega um, directed it and he did the all the high school musicals and everything like that. He has a huge, you know, like background Broadway. Also, you know, has did my favorite, Julie and the Phantoms on Netflix, <laughs> um, which, you know, introduced queer characters into there. So I was just like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And that's why also it was a lot of fun. It had a lot of energy. There's a musical number. And um, it actually, you know, when you say it was on rotation a lot, and that's how you watch it, it's for a reason. Like, um, it didn't start out that popular, because I was around when it was uh, first released, and I remember just thinking, eh. And it didn't really go anywhere, but It became a Halloween tradition on TV. So now uh, it has become part of, I guess, the canon almost when it comes to Disney Halloween stuff, uh, which is why this makes sense for them to uh, revive it with a sequel.
1: Yeah. And it took a long time, too. I mean, for the longest time, Bette Midler refused to do a sequel. Right. How
0: much money do you think they paid her? A shit ton, so much. a shit ton, right? Oh, yeah. And Sarah Jessica Parker too. I feel like She's she doesn't, she doesn't. I mean, she because especially when we talk about like creative control, like she, you know, she obviously has her hand in like the Sex and the City world, but yeah, but not this. Yeah, and I feel Bette Midler would too, right? Like at a certain level, you're like, if I don't get like creative control
3: yeah.
0: or con- tra- creative notes, like I'm not doing it, which may explain why this movie was so. <laughs> Let's say inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, we've talked about our history with the original film. (laughs) Let's talk about this new one. What did we all think of Hocus Pocus 2?
0: (sighs) I understand the uh, need or like why, you know, everyone is doing the reboot, the sequel, the like IP carrying on. But, you know, Hocus Pocus isn't really a movie that needed a sequel um, or if you're going to do a sequel, I don't think we needed like a story sequel or a character sequel. I think we need like if you're going to do a sequel, you should do a like st- like incident sequel, like one concrete incident. Right. Like bring them back. Um, we don't have to care about their character development. Just give us a fun time. Um, and I I think I don't think it captures the same camp magic. As the first one, it was trying a little too hard. Yeah, I, I gotta agree that if you're waiting like
2: thirty years ish to do this sequel, I kind of just expected to be over the top, like fun. And I didn't care about plot. I didn't care about any of that stuff. And they kind of gave me too much, <laughs> um, and maybe even not enough of the the witches. Like I, I think they they did. They started off with like a. Uh, an origin story. And I actually enjoyed that part a lot um, because it shows all of the three witches as kids in Salem and then how they find they first get their powers and they meet with the mother witch who's played by Ted Lasso's uh, Hannah Waddingham, and so I actually enjoyed all of that a lot. I think it had a lot of humor. The whole thee and thou stuff, you know, that they were doing was pretty fun. Seeing also the miniature versions of Bette Midler, etc., is always fun. Kind of like when you watch like Beaches, um, <laughs> yeah. And 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 just it was that had a lot of energy for me. But I think once you got to the present day. I kind of lost interest, (laughs) which which is sad because it has other things in it and many callbacks that you would think would be the uh, recipe for success. Like I like Tony Hale and him playing the descendant of the original reverend who gave all of them grief, you know, may have been something interesting, but it kind of went nowhere. (laughs) And uh, I, I like there was a black cat but the black cat did nothing like the black and the black cat was very integral
0: to the original. So it's kind
2: of like you set all these things up and you do nothing with them. So yeah, I I felt like they just were just kind of like throwing it all together and they're like, great, we did it. Um, (laughs) No.
0: Do you think, do you think that this movie is a victim of like TV mindset? Because at certain times I'm almost like I was like is this a movie like th- why are there like four story concurrent storylines like you're introducing me to a lot of new people no one is in the same place at the same time yeah. like they're not interacting with each other and then and then when I realized I'm like oh no it's still a movie I was like oh we don't we don't have enough time to get yeah. to know or care about any of these people and yeah, I simultaneously- I mean, yeah
1: yeah I mean not to compare it to the first film but the first film was a tight like 90 minutes and it focused on like the task at hand which is oh no this dumbass kid resurrected these witches now we got to like take care of them right we need to like prevent them from taking over the city and like murdering my little sister and yeah like you mentioned this film still has the same skeleton but it takes a windy road to get there.
2: Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean when it comes to TV versus movie because the one thing I do have to say about TV is that, you know, which is great about TV is if you do it right, you can do character development and all that type of stuff. Um, but that's also why, let's say, when you get a rom-com and it's a movie, you kind of don't expect that much like nuanced character development. It's very obvious hit you over the head like oh my god I'm afraid of commitment and then like 90 minutes later you get over it so that's what this was missing was like you need something very hit you over the head, dumb character development if that's what you're going to do and just reiterate it like every whatever minutes instead of like introducing 20 characters who each have something going on but then also nothing goes on with them. Like, I, mean, so, I mean, that
1: being said, yeah. the original film did have that bully storyline that went nowhere too. So.
2: Y- yeah, and that was just more like atmosphere i think um i didn't love it but at the same time it almost felt like a holdover from the 80s you know uh it 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 was a it was of the genre let's say so i was i guess and and it
0: gives and it gives the sanderson sisters something to interact with in the world because i I feel like i mean maybe it's like the disney like corp culture like they gotta protect the brand but like least we forget they start the first movie by straight up fucking icing a girl they kill her and try to suck out her soul and like I like how this version the number second one tries really really hard to gloss over all of that
2: yeah. I, I mean, here's the other thing. Like, I thought at first when we start off with the kids, um, I mean, the younger version of the witches that, you know, showing that they were dealing with a puritanical patriarchal society. And um, Winifred was like being forced to marry and because she refused. That's why they're like, we're going to be banished. And we're going to like brainwash your sisters so that they fall in line. And I was like, okay, I like that as, you know, uh, the inception, why you turn to witchcraft, but then but then they're still bad people. That's yes, the thing
0: again, <laughs> and this is coming from me, who does not like children overall. Like yeah. you should not be sucking the souls of children yeah. out. So it's like they—they, they, it's like you—you you
2: give them something as if to humanize them, but then you still don't explain why they're doing horrible things. Like, uh, yeah, really, really, they eat—they yeah. eat children, they suck out their souls. Like, come on, I don't get it. Um,
1: yeah, I feel like if you're gonna have them go through a redemption arc. It's kind of starting from, like, way behind, right? We've already established that they've, like, probably already murdered a bunch of kids in their lifetimes, right?
2: Yeah, there's, like, by the end of the movie, either they should have puked them all up or somehow did something to (laughs) uh, balance all the souls that they have eaten. Because, you know, like, by the time we meet them, they're about in their 30s or whatever. So they must have eaten a lot of souls between, you know, childhood and then um so yeah i don't know i was i, I just felt like it was inconsistent it's like hey
0: we're gonna try this thing and then they're like wait a sec this is too good you know <laughs> so yeah that makes me think you know that the Butt Midler, like getting them back uh like they were probably were like Well come back if we have more to do because you know the i call it the jack sparrow problem like you take the fun characters but who are really just like the broad strokes like you know, broad characters, like archetypes, like villains, like fun villains. And then there has been this ongoing trend with Disney to be like, oh no, let's humanize them. Like no one's good or bad fully all the time, right? I'm like, no, no, they are witches who suck out the souls of children. Again, not a big fan of children, but you don't have to go too deep and trying to redeem them. Like keep them the bad guys. Give us like another fun, wacky Halloween situation. Um, And there were some fun, Yeah, moments. I do think the Chekhov's Roomba was a great modernization because you know in the original one it was like the Hoover. She has a flying on the vacuum. Love the little like drag bit and this idea that there's like a whole like Mm -hmm. Sanderson sister culture in, um, like like it's been sanitized and (laughs) like you know there's drag contests in the festival now, um, but other than I'm just like. They ate children. I don't know what you want me to I say. I mean, all that yeah.
1: being said, I did have fun watching this. It was, yeah. you know, I I recognize all the pacing issues and the bloat. But overall, I thought, I thought it was a pretty fun movie. And the jokes, like there were a couple of jokes that really landed with me. The Roomba one especially.
2: That was the best. And <laughs> I agree with Jess that honestly... I could have dealt with a lot more on stage antics, like not just do a drag contest, but do other stuff like just have them somehow come back and like take over a whole musical review, you know, just like over the top shit. Like, I don't really care about them like trying to get more souls from kids unless it's through a musical format.
1: (laughs) I mean, they give up that plan pretty quickly and move on to a different plan that involves Witchcraft Revenge. as well. But yeah. um I will say the musical num the anachronistic musical number in this film was not as good as the one in the first film. Yeah. The song choice was less yeah. like in the first film they did a musical number to I put a spell on you, which while on the nose, I feel like the song they picked this time was a little more like I didn't I didn't get the connection as much.
2: I mean it didn't make sense. It was like blondies one way or another, right? So <laughs> Uh, it was fine. It was you know, but yeah, it didn't really make a lot of sense. So, anyway,
1: (laughs) I did appreciate though that there was no like bully storyline this time around that really ground the momentum of the first film to a halt. Um, in this film, you have instead himbo boyfriend, which I think you know, (laughs) I think fit a lot better. I think overall, this did tell a more like modern teen story, which at the same time, also clashed with the witch storyline. It kind of felt like I was watching two movies, between mm-hmm. like, the teens and the witches.
0: And then Gilbert and Billy's fabulous what adventure, the, yeah. excellent adventure. That was the weirdest <laughs> part to yeah, me. Yeah,
2: like, here's the thing. It's like, I like that they brought Billy back, and I remember him from the first film, but also I was like, they barely used him here. So what was the point? And I usually like Sam Richardson. He's a great actor and a comedic actor, but it's like, they didn't really know what to do with these two people. So I felt like it was almost a
0: waste of time. So, you know, also, are we hmm. cool with him? Just like setting up these like teenage girls to get like, maybe murdered in the woods. And then it's like, Oh, give me a discount. Like yeah. I would be significantly more pissed. There like he was, should He should be arrested.
2: There was not enough accountability for any of these people. So yeah i i was just like they're like am i good i'll give you a discount and i was like no no put a curse on him whatever it is you can do uh frustration
1: um one thing that i did love was that um i mean so this film made a bigger point of doing the fish out of water story about like these witches from the witch trial era salem Coming to, like, 2022 and experiencing technology. Um, I did find it amusing that they slipped an Amazon joke in there with the Alexa. Even though this is a Disney Plus. uh, Yeah. The
0: product placement. I mean, how much do you think Walgreens paid?
2: Yeah. It it was kind of crazy because they could have made any fake um, Alexa. But... uh Oh wait, now now my device is listening to me. Um, oh no. <laughs> no! But yeah, they could have created something totally uh, different, you know, and called it something else that we would have figured it out pretty easily. What I did like is like because they were obsessed with uh, sucking the souls out of kids for youth. Um, the whole product uh, line of bringing them to Walgreens to for all the beauty products and them them eating a Korean face mask, which was great. Um, But yeah, so like there, there are definitely some inspired moments I feel, and just I wish the rest of it kind of like kept up with that sort of sense of fun and cleverness.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel like Hocus Pocus one is still a film that I would play for like my like nieces and nephews who are like you know old enough to handle minimal amounts of spooky. I don't know if I'd play Hocus Pocus two for them.
2: They would probably be confused. I feel. Um, I I I also just. uh, they kind of try to make a joke out of it in the second film, but the the over reliance on the virgin aspect of of this uh curse also just always made me feel a little weird. Um <laughs> so yeah, I don't know how they're gonna get around it because did you did you catch the after credit sequence?
1: There's an after credit sequence?
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you caught it yet, uh, Jess, but basically you see the cat cobweb um near a box that says something like candle bf candle so black flame candle oh so, so apparently just in case they're setting it up to be open for any other type of sequel um and i don't know us, if
1: that would work i mean them coming back this movie after being vanquished so thoroughly in the last film yeah. is already, already like it, palpitating well, levels of somehow the centers and sisters return right
2: it, It might not be them that return. That's the thing. It's like maybe they'll figure out another way for other ones to return. Maybe it'll
1: be Ted Lasso, which
2: I would like that. Like, she's cool. But yeah, you know, I don't I don't know. But so I was just like,
0: are they going to keep on with the Virgin
2: stuff or what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, is that the twist? No one can light the candle in like the next 30 years. Everyone just going to be like fucking and like. Like, all the teenagers are going to be like, no, sorry, not a virgin. It's just bizarre. Anyway.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, final verdict then. Is Hocus Pocus 2 good pop?
2: Uh, I'm actually going to say no this time. I think it was fine, but I don't think I would recommend it. So I don't know how good I would say it is. It's fine.
0: I would say just rewatch the first one. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I kind of agree. If you're looking for a good Halloween film to play for your kids or for the children in your life, Hocus Pocus 1 still holds up very well. Um, It has everything you need. Over the top, witches, zombies, you know, a fun adventure romp. Um, I feel like Hocus Pocus 2 mainly is for us who grew up watching Hocus Pocus 1 and are curious of what Hocus Pocus 2 would be. But it definitely doesn't have the same vibes,
0: yeah, we're just all so fucked up now. Like we'll take any hope of feeling the same joy we felt as children. <laughs> <laughs> so you know they're gonna just keep doing that's the real horror. I mean Marvin. yeah,
2: and also Disney channel, and now I guess Disney Plus has a history of some really fun and good Halloween movies. So you can also watch any of those other ones, you know, like Halloween Town, and I think there's like the Twitches, and then there's what's the whole zombies <laughs> uh uh, I think franchise. it's
1: just I think it's just called zombies.
2: Yeah. So or zombie like this, high is it zombie there, high or? No, I don't think it's
1: called zombie high.
2: But yeah, so there's plenty of other ones to watch. I, I feel like yeah, this one just sort of just fell short of the mark.
1: Yeah, and you know me, I love my nostalgia place. You know, I love the remake of Ducktales. I'm watching freaking Star Wars all the time. Like, I I'm not immune to nostalgia hits, but this one just you know it just wasn't. Yeah. All there.
2: Ah, alas.
1: Oh, well. All right. Well, that'll do it for our discussion of Hocus Pocus 2. Um, it's streaming now on Disney+. Plus. So, um, you know, if you watch the first film and are curious, you know, it's worth a watch. And you can let us know what you think. Uh, but if people want to find out more of your thoughts, which spooky Twitter handle can they go to?
0: <laughs> I have not changed mine yet. So <laughs> you can find me on my, and my trash takes at Just tweets on Twitter.
2: And my actual handle is anonymous, But if you want to look for me, I don't even know if you can search me for my spooky handle. It is let the right Han in.
1: You can find me at Marvin You, yeah, I have not changed my Twitter handle yet. I need to think of a good one. Right. It's
0: hard because I don't watch spooky movies. So you're going to have to help me, Han.
2: All right. We'll, well, we'll think of it. And so hopefully by next week, we can get both of you guys uh, sorted out.
1: Yeah, Uh, you can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Um, You can check out our fellow Asian American host podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, Happy spooky month, everybody. Um, We'll be back next week to talk about more of the pop culture that gets us through our days, including our check-in for Mexico Week for GBBO. I look forward to that. That's
0: the real
1: spooky. (laughs) story <laughs> who knows they might nail it
0: oh i or i forget we're on podcast but you can't see the death stare i'm giving Marvin right now
1: it's trick or treat it's, we're definitely getting tricked <sighs> all right we'll see y'all next time bye everybody bye, bye. Sharon.
3: Hey, Roman. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah, and second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Ramin and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah,
1: Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes,
3: chefs, writers. Folks who are Black, Brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. guests have included comedian Margaret Cho... Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lunyang, Yang, and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority.